The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Third down, Vandenberg maybe changing the play at the line. They're 0 for 5. Third down conversions to the end zone. McNutt, touchdown, Iowa. Not the first time Iowa Hawkeye fans have seen that. The 25th receiving touchdown for Marvin McNutt in his great career. McNutt doing a nice job of tracking the ball in, and that's difficult duty for Henderson. One-on-one with one of the conference's best. Good job by McNutt. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have two reporters' notebook segments in this podcast, featuring Mark Morehouse, who previews Iowa's upcoming game against the Michigan Wolverines, and Susan Dank, who looks back at the Hawks' devastating loss to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. You'll also hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Michigan's Brady Hoke. This Hawkeyes Mike program is one in a series of our weekly podcasts this year, which include regulars Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as numerous guest commentators and reporters. The Iowa-Minnesota game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network, once again with announcers Eric Collins and Chris Martin. Another very good job calling this contest. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Man, why did I have so many drinks I can't remember? What's today? October? Three tight ends in the game. Power football. Coker. Touchdown, Iowa! With that one-yard touchdown run, Marcus Coker goes over 200 yards on the day. And Iowa regains the lead. And that was the imposition of will, which is what people are used to from Iowa. That whole series, we're coming right at you. Big power football capped off this time with a Coker touchdown. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and choose not to get sick. Remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Hawkeye's Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. that way in trouble he goes down balls loose gophers have it minnesota ball at the 50 yard line a tremendous turn of events vandenberg has been out of sync out of rhythm today and that is a direct reflection of this minnesota defense that time they brought the pressure off the edge he didn't even see it he didn't see it in his pre-snap read great timing and play call even better execution for the gophers 
taking a look at game notes and key stats from the Minnesota game. The Iowa Hawkeyes travel to Minneapolis on Saturday to face the Minnesota Golden Gophers in the annual battle for Floyd of Rosedale. Iowa was a double-digit favorite in this game, and a win would have put them in a first-place tie in the Big Ten's Legends division. It would set up a wild November in which the Hawks would face each of the teams they were tied with, and two of those three games would be at Kinnick Stadium. None of that matters now, as Iowa suffered perhaps its worst and most inexplicable loss in recent years in the Ferentz era against the worst team in the Big Ten and in the process embarrassed themselves and the program. There were some positives. The list is short. Marcus Coker turned in an all-Big Ten type of performance, carrying the ball 32 times for a career-high 252 yards, the third best in Iowa history, plus two touchdowns. He also became only the third Hawkeyes running back to have more than a single 200-yard game. Wideout Marvin McNutt continued his climb up the Iowa record books, catching seven passes for 101 yards and one TD. The Hawkeyes did put up gaudy offensive stats, especially in the first three quarters, but they failed to execute in the red zone and were unable to build and sustain a lead over the previously hapless Gophers. Coming into this game, Iowa had scored 26 out of 27 times. Saturday, it was only 3 of 6 and just 4 of 11 in third down conversions. In fact, 25 minutes into this contest, neither team had converted on third downs. Instead of looking at key stats just from the Minnesota game, we're going to take a couple of minutes to review some key stats and information about the state of the Iowa program. Iowa lost its fifth consecutive road game. It should be six, but for a dropped pass in the end zone by Indiana last season in Bloomington. In its last 12 games, Iowa is six and six overall and only two and five in the Big Ten. Since 2006, Iowa has lost nine games when it was a double-digit favorite. The rest of the Big Ten combined only 15 losses in those situations. Iowa continues to struggle in close games. First of all, it puts itself in the position of often being in close games, given its very conservative approach on offense, and increasingly over the past few years, it ends up losing those contests. Floyd of Rosedale will now spend at least one more winter in Minneapolis, and the Hawkeyes continue their feudal streak in trophy games, losing four straight. There are no rivalry trophies in the Hayden Fry football complex, and it's also the first time since 2000 that the Hawkeyes lost to Iowa State and Minnesota in the same season. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz and his staff were once again outcoached by opponents who occasionally employ unconventional play calling, perhaps because it appears Kirk never has an unconventional thought. And for the second straight season, Minnesota utilized an onside kick and recovered the ball to start its game-winning drive. And just the latest example of the Iowa sideline being unprepared for possible key plays. Some coaches play to win. It often appears Ferentz plays not to lose, a rather common an NFL approach too. The Hawks offense often stalled out throughout the first three quarters, couldn't put points on the board, and allowed Minnesota to stay in that game. The difference between the two sidelines was stunning to observe as events unfolded in TCF Bank Stadium. Mike Meyer missed two fairly easy field goals. As it turns out, either one of those might have won the game. Quarterback James Vandenberg is now 0-4 in road starts. On its last drive of the game, which started with 2 minutes 48 seconds on the clock when only a field goal was needed to secure the win, Iowa went four and out, didn't even challenge the Gophers' defense, and looked completely out of sync. And then the defense was once again unable to stop Minnesota and give the Hawks one last chance.
chance. An Iowa offense that was averaging 35 points per game, even after scoring only three at Penn State, was able to muster only 21 points against one of the poorest defenses in the FBS. Iowa only ran seven offensive plays in the fourth quarter with possession time of only one minute 35 seconds. Minnesota's possession time in that quarter, a whopping 13-25. The Gophers came into this game with only five sacks for the entire season. They sacked Vandenberg three times, one of them causing a fumble, and harassed him numerous other times. Minnesota lost its first three Big Ten games by a combined score of 144-31. It scored 22 points Saturday and only gave up 21. Minnesota came into the game last in the Big Ten in rushing. It gained 178 yards on the ground Saturday against the Hawkeyes. In the Sagarin ratings, FBS plus FCS, Iowa is now ranked as the third best team in the state of Iowa, trailing both Iowa State and UNI. And Iowa's strength of schedule from September to October was 112th out of 120 in the nation. The Hawkeyes' strength of schedule in its upcoming November games, 6th. This material was taken from my eye test column earlier this week. To read this column in its entirety, go to the homepage at HawkeyesMike.com or check out all Hawkeyes Mike articles at HawkeyesMike.tumblr, that's T-U-M-B-L-R.com. Time now for part one of our reporter's notebook with Susan Dank. You can read Susan's articles in the Hawkeye and online at thehawkeye.com. Susan looks back at the Minnesota game. Susan, you were in Minneapolis. How bad was this loss? It was it was pretty bad. You know, this Minnesota team that Iowa should have easily gone in there and you know beaten them just kind of like last year. It just it really exposed a lot of the weaknesses that somehow had been covered up earlier this season. The coaching staff seems surprised again. I wrote earlier in the week that this coaching staff always seems surprised by unconventional or aggressive play calling because they apparently never think unconventionally. So two years in a row, we've seen a number of cases where you have onside kicks. They don't anticipate fake punts, fake field goals. Uh, What was your sense in talking? I know after the game, Kirk really wasn't very, didn't elaborate very much and not much more in the press conference. He took responsibility for it on Tuesday. But, you know, what's your sense of what's going on when they're not anticipating those kinds of plays. Oh, it was it was crazy. To, you know, talking to the players after the game, they just were completely surprised by that onside kick. And it is like you said. You know, they don't seem to think about those unconventional plays because they don't do them themselves. And really, after all those times, you'd think maybe, oh, hey, this is a this is a place where something like this may happen. You know, they just missed that two point conversion, and they really needed something to spark them. You know, they, the last thing they needed was Iowa to go down the field and score again, and that was just a great call by Coach Kill and that Iowa was just completely unprepared for. It was just inexcusable. I think we've all come to the conclusion that if in any game, if this offense isn't running on all four cylinders, the team is likely in trouble. But what was your perception watching from the press box again about what was going on with the offense and especially once they hit close to the red zone? Yeah, you know, early on, it, it didn't seem like they were too, you know, doing too bad. You know, they weren't as productive as they had been, you know, but Coker was running all over them and, you know, and things weren't horrible until, you know, they got to the end and you know in the places where you thought that maybe they should use that no huddle you know two minute offense that they had had so much success with earlier in the year they weren't you know running that and and 
they just looked out of sync and, and just horribly unprepared for anything. Well, you mentioned the two-minute offense. When they tried to run it in the last offensive series of the game for them, they, they looked completely discombobulated. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just incomplete pass after incomplete pass. They just didn't know, they didn't seem to know what was going on or anything else. And, you know, and earlier in the season, that's when they really got clicking and really got going. And I don't know where that breakdown was last week. Now, the defense actually played reasonably well for three quarters. Of course, it was against probably the worst offense in the Big Ten. But what happened in the fourth quarter? Oh, that's a question everybody's asking because they just, I don't know if they brought a different defense out and they left these guys in the locker room or something because they did. I mean, that touchdown on fourth down and Gray just ran around and once again, it gets back to contain, contain, contain. And that's going to be huge, you know, again this week with Denard Robinson in Michigan coming to town. What was your sense in talking to the players in the postgame in the locker room? Oh, it was difficult. Um, you know, even with the day he had, Marcus Coker just seemed very depressed, very down, very short answers, very soft-spoken. Um, James Vandenberg was having a very difficult time talking to the media. Just, you know, something they did not expect, I'm guessing, that they would lose this game and lose it like they did. And they just so disappointed and I think a lot of frustration there, too. Do you think, and I, I'm sure they must be used to it by now, but I wonder, as a player or as a team of players, what they really think when Kurt gets super conservative like he does almost all the time. For example, at the end of the first half, nearly two minutes to go and some timeouts. And, you know, he just sits on the ball, basically. Takes a that, knee, never goes for it. Right. That would, If I were a player, that would be very frustrating to me. You know, especially, you know, being a quarterback or the receivers, you know, knowing that they have weapons out there and knowing that they've been successful in the past. And, you know, and, and you know, take a shot. You know, at that point, really, what do you have to lose? And, you know, give these guys maybe some confidence that, you know, that you have confidence confidence in them to make these plays when you need to. It sounded like a pretty difficult press conference, too, with Ference after the game. So I, I think a couple of the reporters were asking some pretty tough questions, and he really wasn't answering. No, he really, and I don't know if he doesn't have the answers or, you know, if he just didn't want to answer them. But, no, he, he wasn't really giving us any kind of answers, just his you know, generic answers. And really, Tuesday was the same thing, you know, asking what was wrong with the defense, and he's saying, well, I can't answer that right now. He's the head coach, you know, you think he'd have some idea of what they need to fix and, you know, what's going wrong. Over the last two years, in you watching the team, how much do you think the program is trending the wrong way? Yeah, it hasn't hasn't really been pretty these last couple of seasons. You know, they normally, this team usually does improve as the season goes on, and they have really good Novembers, and all of a sudden that's not happening. I don't know if it's the talent level or, or what else is going on in that program, but in this year, I mean, their November is going to be very very long if they keep playing like they played last week against Minnesota. I mean, they have Michigan coming to town this week. They have Michigan State the next week, and then they go to Purdue where they have not had any success, and then at Nebraska. You know, that that's going to be a tough November, and if they don't pick it up, you know, it's going to be a very long November. So it just seems that is, like you said, the trend the last couple of years. And that would make them not bowl eligible. And that would be pretty shocking for this team. I don't think they came in with hopes of bowling over the conference, but I'm sure they, they expected to go to a bowl game. Anything positive out of last Saturday? Um, well, Marcus Coker got going. <laughs> they found they have a running back. He had 252 yards. Yeah, but of course, after that, he said there was absolutely nothing positive since they lost that game. Other than that, you know, not too much on special teams. They didn't look good with that onside kick, and then the two missed field goals by Mike Meyer. So really, to me, Coker's the only one real positive out of that one. Yeah, the other thing I noticed was at least I thought the kickoff coverage by Iowa was about as good or maybe better than it's been all season. Yeah, that is one thing. You know, I, you know, I hadn't thought too much about that with everything else going on and all those, you know, the negatives and everything, but 
but you know that's something that early in the year you know they were pretty bad on and they really could only go up grasping for straws yep absolutely <laughs> <laughs> any other thoughts as we head into the Michigan week oh it's going to be a tough one another mobile quarterback who can run who can pass and oh contain 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 that's you know something that they've been harping on since day one and something that really needs to improve that's right we can't have anyone freak out out there okay we've got to keep our composure we've got too far there's too much to lose we've got to keep our composure oh do we have an onside kick gophers pull out all the stops they've got the football what a call by jerry kill and his staff kim royston the six-year senior comes up with the onside kick executed to perfection beautiful job of giving these guys a chance excellent execution takeout block royston johnny on the spot well designed even better execution and i love the timing of it by coach kill How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked, given all of his defensive problems, if it's too late in the season to try to correct things. I hope it's not. I mean, you know, every week we try to improve, and that's uh, true in all phases, I guess. I think I've said a couple times, I think, you know, still the, the number one focus would be on stopping the run. The bad news there is that you know, I think Michigan's running for about 250 a game. They probably could go 400 if they chose to. So it's just uh, uh, they're a very good running football team with a lot of good uh, players and touching the football. And uh, I don't think it's a lost cause if that's what you're asking. You know, we, we haven't planned on surrendered yet, so we're planning on surrendering. Yeah, we just have to play better. And there are a lot of factors involved, personnel, injuries, you know, scheme. That, that's like uh, any phase of football right now. We'll just continue to work and, you know, uh, we've had success in the past. We'll continue to work for that in the future. Ferentz talks about his Iowa team losing to one of the worst teams in the BCS last Saturday. You know, if, if you look at college football, uh, and we talked about this a week ago, you know, probably nine days now, eight days, uh, nine days. Um, you know, a real a vivid example, there's a team in the Big 12 that, that went uh, to a pretty prestigious place, beat a team that had a long extended win streak and beat them in their stadium and um, you know, I think there were 29 and a half point underdogs. I did look it up. That was something we talked about because that's, that's exemplary of college football. And the team we lost to uh, this past weekend, you know, had a couple tough outings recently. They also lost to Southern Cal by two points at the first game at uh, the Coliseum. And Southern Cal played Stanford into overtime. So, you know, if you pay attention to what's going on in the, in the you know, landscape of things, and I'm, I'm not making excuses. I'm not offering any excuses. But that's that's football. And uh, as much as we all want to know, you know, what's going to happen before things happen, uh, that's that's why you play games. And I think you know, 
any any fans that bet on games probably lost a lot of money in uh, the St. Louis New Orleans game this weekend too. I did hear that score. That, that's football, and that's what makes it interesting. And uh, when you're on the short end of any game, it's not much fun. Ferentz was asked if he understands the frustration of Iowa fans. I'm more focused on the players' frustration and their feelings. Quite frankly, that's that's who I'm you know really care about the most. And I, not that I don't I don't mean to sound callous or. Uh, but my, my res- number one responsibility is how our players are feeling and how they're uh, reacting to things and responding to things. And so that, that's number one. That being said, you know, we, we don't ever want to disappoint our fans, and we appreciate our fans. Nobody's got better fans than us. Uh, home or away, and uh, I appreciate fans being up there and supporting us the other day, and uh, you know I appreciate our fans coming into Kinnick, and I've, I've said that many times, and that that's sincere and genuine. We got you know uh, just great, great fans, and I appreciate that. So yeah, you know the, the people that are pulling for us, I'm sure you know they're all dying a thousand deaths just like we do. Kirk talks about the Wolverines' defensive play under new D coordinator Greg Madison. I think I think the biggest thing is uh, you know just like you look at every game independently, whatever. This, this is a new season. They run a scheme, and I think you know all schemes are, are you can have success out of any scheme that you run. It's just a matter of the players fitting in. Uh, it's how, how the eleven guys react within the scheme. Two things about Michigan, I would tell you, they, they've got excellent players defensive on the defensive side. Uh, at all positions, and, and they've also, uh, you know, it's very clear that they're they're pretty clear on what they're doing, you know. And there are a couple exceptions to that, and that's more so early in the season. You got a new staff, but it, you know they're on the same page. They're playing well. They're playing aggressively, and you know they're doing a great job. And you know, Greg Madison's a guy we all I think are very familiar with. You know, Brian played here in the program, and but he's an excellent coach, you know, and uh, he's done a great job there. And that's no surprise. He's done a good job everywhere he's been. And Ferentz was asked how much Michigan's offense has changed with its new staff. Yeah, not a lot. Uh, you know, I mean, there are some changes. I don't mean to minimize it, but um, uh, you know, the worst thing we've done the last two years is uh, bump their quarterbacks out of the game. You know, I think it seems like we're playing okay, and then uh, you know, there's a switch and. You know, it got got interesting. So, you know, Robinson's uh, just playing with more confidence now. He's a much better player than he was a year ago. Not that, not that he was bad last year. I'm not suggesting that. But he's a year further into the, his development. He's got a good supporting cast. They've got a really uh, very good offensive line, as good as we've seen this year. You know, they're, just, they're well pieced together. And, you know, they're, really, they're comfortable with what they're doing. You know, and they've got a lot of good players executing well out there. Next, we hear from Michigan's head coach, Brady Hoke, who talks about the challenge his team faces traveling to Iowa this Saturday. We uh, have a great challenge in, in uh, um, going to Iowa City and play a, a very good Iowa team, undefeated at home. Um, and that seems to be the way this conference is to some degree right now. Uh, but uh, they uh, play awfully well, and they're a very well-coached football team and uh, have been for many, many years. Uh, it will be the most physical game to this point for us as a team. When you uh, watch them, obviously they have uh, personnel-wise, you look at Coker and what he's done um, in leading the league in rushing. And Vandenberg, I think, has uh, done a tremendous job in there as a quarterback. And they got a great uh, set of wideouts, but McNutt, you know, obviously gets a lot of the uh, exposure because of what he's done um, out there on the field. Um, but it's uh, it's going to be a, a great challenge for us, and uh, um, 
you know, you play these last four, and when you play get into November, uh, you play for championships in the Big Ten Conference. And that's kind of how it's been for uh, many years. So uh, we look forward to it. It's going to be fun. Hoke was asked what has gone into his Wolverines forcing 14 fumbles already this season. I think you create your luck to some degree. I think our guys have done a nice job of uh, trying to get 11 guys to the football. You know, where you're opportunistic to, to uh, recover the fumble. Um, we work uh, strip drills and those kind of things uh, during fall camp as much time as any or in an off week. You know, those things, uh, uh, you try and get back to those simple basics, you know, which really are not simple because that's the game. But, I mean, I think it's because guys – you know, and there's a couple examples out there. Van Bergen uh, against San Diego State, knocking the ball out and, and, and ripping it out. And then Thomas Gordon at uh, Northwestern, I mean, ripping the ball out of there. So the, the drills are being taken from the practice field to the game. As much as anything still, though, it's getting 11 guys to the football. Hoke was asked why he perceives Iowa to be the most physical team Michigan has faced this year. Yeah, and probably a lot of it is history. But I've always loved, as a coach, watching Iowa on defense and watching Iowa on offense. You know, when we get breakdowns, uh, if they're similar opponents and we're getting ready to play somebody that they've played, that's the first film since I was here before that I'll put on because of how they play defense. Um, the physicalness they play with, the fundamentals and the techniques, and it's the same way offensively. You know, it, it's uh, it, it's a great challenge. Being a defensive line coach, you watch your offensive line and how they're coached and their, their fundamentals, their techniques, the attitude they play with. Uh, I mean, that's, that's awesome. It gets you excited. And Hoke was asked if Gerald Toussaint has emerged as his starting running back following his performance in last week's game. I think he did, but I also think, you know, the situations of where you're at in the game and what you can do to a certain degree. Uh, but I think he played tremendously. I think he had a, a great vision, balance, and the most exciting thing was I thought his burst out of holes, you know, and you know, on the 59-yarder, you know, he separates the safeties and has a tremendous burst as he does it. And the other credit, you know, our offense, our, our wide receivers block, block downfield like uh, nobody's business. So, I, you know, he, he's the guy that uh, will, will start the football game for us. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the middle of the film. First down run right on the goal line, and Coker, no one's stopping him. His second touchdown of the game, and it was Woody Orn who led him the way. <laughs> what a series for number 95, Woody Orn. Well, nothing complicated, just power football, hand-to-hand, -hand, mano a mano good push up front, and Coker's been doing it all day long. Coker now with 10 rushing touchdowns on the year. He has been magnificent. <laughs> HawkeyesMike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS.
Looking ahead to Saturday's game, the Hawkeyes are 5-3 after their loss at Minnesota last week and trending in the wrong direction. Michigan stands at 7-1 and appears to be improving each week. This is the 57th meeting between the two schools. Michigan leads the all-time series 40-12-4, but the Hawkeyes have won the last two games, once in Kinnick and last year in Ann Arbor. Iowa has never beaten the Wolverines three straight times. The last Michigan win in Iowa City was an overtime game in 2005. The Wolverines also lead the series in games played in Iowa City, 16-5-1. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is in his 13th year at Iowa, where he is 94-63. New Michigan head coach Brady Hoke is in his ninth year overall as a head coach, with a career record of 54-52. The Wolverines come into this game ranked 13th in the AP in coaches' polls. This marks the first time this season that Iowa is playing against a ranked opponent. Obviously, it won't be the last, with Michigan State and Nebraska coming up later in the month. Following the Minnesota game, running back Marcus Coker is ranked 9th nationally in rushing yards per game, while wideout Marvin McNutt is 12th in receiving yards per game. Quarterback James Vandenberg is 15th in pass efficiency. On the defensive side, James Morris is 10th in tackles per game, and fellow linebacker Christian Kirksey is 15th in solo tackles per game. Part two of our reporter's notebook this week features Mark Morehouse. You can read Mark's articles in the Gazette and online at thegazette.com. Mark previews the Iowa-Michigan game. Mark, after last Saturday's debacle, where do you think that leaves this team right now? Needing a win to get to a bowl game, and uh, I wouldn't really, if I, and I'm sure, I mean, you, you hear Kurt Ferentz talk all the time, and so do I, and... I don't think they're looking one second past win number six. Uh, I don't think they can afford to, and I don't think they will. And uh, that's kind of where they are right now. After questioning Ferentz on Tuesday, then visiting with some of the players, what's your sense of the mindset down there right now? Angry. (laughs) I think uh, Coach Ferentz is definitely angry, and uh, I'm sure the players aren't far behind. I mean, they missed a huge opportunity in Minnesota to get full eligibility and to get, uh, you know, to get the pig back, and it was a shocking loss. They were 15-point favorites up there, so I imagine anger, and I imagine they want to do something about it, and they're presented with an opportunity to really stand up for their season and just make, have a you know have a statement win for the year, which I think this year is lacking. I mean, you know, I, don't, I think if you if this team left the season with um, you know its best win arguably over Northwestern, I don't think any of those guys would like that very much. So probably had a lot of opportunity ahead of them, but uh, I think this is an angry group. But just it's a, it's a matter of. Uh, can they do anything about it, really? What differences did you notice in the post-game interviews versus Tuesday? Well, it's hard to tell. Tell after a game, they're, they're basically their mood reflects the result. And last Saturday, they were, you know, they were exactly what you think they'd be. They were uh, a little bit angry, a little bit uh, sullen, and some of the younger guys, even some of the younger guys, are just happy to you know talk to the camera. I think a little bit. But even they, you know, like a guy like Christian Kirksey was like, uh, he's a little depressed, it seemed like. So, you know, it, I think the loss affected them the way you would think. And uh, uh, this week, uh, you know, I think when we see him on Tuesday, it's really before they've really kind of dug into any sort of preparation. So they're, they're, they're basically kind of, I think they're at a state of anticipation to try to, you know, erase last week's bad, you know, bad results and then to try to get into the, the Michigan preparation. I think they're eager to look at that, and I think it's a team that uh, knows basically, hey, the lines in the stand, fans, 
you know, what what do they want to make of the seed? And I think that kind of that, that kind of showed up on Tuesday. Kirk seems to be increasingly irritated with the press and non-responsive to some pretty good questions about why precisely the team is having these struggles. Yeah, uh, well, he's he's the coach, and basically it's a, it's a hot seat. I mean, look, look at the, how it's set up. It's uh, one guy on a platform facing a bunch of cameras and notebooks and uh, people who clearly aren't invested as invested as he is into what's going on as people people basically commenting on the results now i fully embrace my role in this and i'm one of the commenters on the results but uh so i can but i understand where he's coming from his point of view is uh you know he's defensive i mean and i don't blame him i mean i still you know the, the he, he took a blame for the uh uh, onside kick call. I, I think somebody has to. I still think you know. I cannot get off that play being the the dominant factor in why Iowa lost last week. It put Minnesota. It gave Minnesota rope with uh, very in, in, in a time where they really had hope was was, was sort of draining out of the hourglass form. So I mean, how is that for a mixed metaphor right there, man? But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh, non-responsive. I don't know. He, he, you have to be able to hear. There's a, there's a, there's a, a handbook to interviewing uh, Kurt Ferentz uh, after a loss. You basically cannot ask about the future, and I floated one out there uh, and had it basically swatted, you know, kind of like a block shot in basketball. Then uh, I know that. I just wanted to see the reaction. You just have to. You have to answer a question, ask questions that uh, maybe he can talk about. Uh, maybe that uh, not too much directly about football, but about what happened and why. I mean, basically. You stick to the who, what, and why, and where, and the when, and uh, you might uh, you, you can get a little bit. You're not going to get uh, a lot of football, a lot of uh, strategy out of Kirk. You just never have, never will. There were a lot of stories and columns this past week about the accumulating negative stats, not just this season, but in recent seasons. And it, it seems clear, at least to me, that growing fan discontent is probably at its highest during the Ferentz years. If you were a fan since 2002, yeah, maybe it is. Uh, they were 1 in 10 in 1999 and no one was happy. I mean, sure, it was, uh, he inherited whatever from Hayden, and, but still, I mean, no one was happy then, no one was happy with 3 and 8, not in, in uh, 2000. Uh, I'm not too sure how happy people were last year with eight and five. Uh, I think maybe the boiling point this time around was you know a loss to ISU and a loss to Minnesota in the same season. I think that 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 has people really questioning, you know, how does how does Iowa lose to underdogs? Where is the program at when it can't put away teams like that? Teams like Minnesota Saturday, not not so much Iowa State. I would say in the road. I think it's always going to be a tough game for Iowa from here on out. No matter who the coach is, no matter what the approach is, if it's a run and shoot, it's going to be a close game. Uh, if Jerry Glanville's the coach, it's going to be a close game. It doesn't matter. But uh, your question on you know the, the growing discontent is it's worse. I'll tell you, my email was as busy as it's ever been. Uh, my Twitter account is it wasn't the good humor was missing a little bit this week from usually I get I can read that every day I get several laughs today yeah, I mean lately it's been a little there's been a little few more questions and 
I totally understand that. If I were a fan, I, I wouldn't want some answers too. And you know, you can just try. Before we turn to Michigan, where do you see the program heading at this point? Because they're certainly not going to be favored in any of these last four games. Yeah, I mean, you mean in final record-wise? I think uh, I think they can probably get a win. I think that they'll end up six and six. I don't not sure. Uh, don't ask me where that win will come from because, like as you said, John, it's they're going to be underdogs here. I mean, if you if you look at the schedule, it's going from 112th easiest, you know, basically 112th ranked schedule in the nation by the NCAA, not by Jeff Sagarin and his basement computer. Uh, the the 112th schedule in the NCAA up till now. Moving forward, it's the sixth hardest schedule in the NCAA. Uh, you have three three legend division co-leaders. Uh, to one of those on the road in the season finale, and then you got Purdue, where Iowa is one and four since 1998. So the Iowa shouldn't be favoring any of these next three games, the next four games. I don't know why anybody would. I still think they find a way, and I still think they find a way to get to a bowl. Little Caesars? No, I don't think so. I think uh, if Purdue finishes six and six, uh, I think, and, and there are eight Big Ten bowl eligible teams, then I think Purdue ends up in the Little Caesars, and Iowa ends up in uh, Ticket City, which I think is Dallas, the Cotton Bowl, uh, against the Big Twelve. I haven't gotten into bowls yet. There's still four weeks left. I also don't. I, I don't think there'll be eight, ten, eight Big Ten bowl eligible teams. So. Uh, I think uh, it's a stretch for people to think that Iowa ends up in Detroit. From one depressing thought potentially to another, the Michigan preview, given Iowa's defensive woes and Michigan's offense, especially with Denard Robinson, plus the Wolverines now to appear to have settled on a pretty good running back. What do you expect to see this Saturday? The Wolverines are averaging 5.88 yards a carry. Iowa is allowing 3.87 yards a carry now. That seems like a reasonable number, but it's for Iowa and for the way Iowa's been built the last, you know, since parents arrived in 1999, not a good number. Uh, I think it's, it'd be the uh, it'd be the second uh, largest yards per carry allowed by an Iowa team since 2000. Uh, 19 or 2009 would be the exception, which is a complete anomaly because they average. They allowed over five yards to carry, uh, oddly enough, and finished 11 and two. So, uh, I think uh, I was a rush defense is pretty vulnerable here. I think that the best they can do is play some lanes, play some uh, leverage, be disciplined and get hat on ball. I think you're going to see Iowa go after Denard, hit him hard, uh, 11 guys with the ball, uh, and make them, you know, make them think twice about running, taking, putting the ball down or running. Uh, as far as Denard's passing go, it's shaky. I mean, he's got 11 interceptions this season. It's third worst in the country. Uh, but I, I think Iowa's defense really, it, it has to have a performance that it hasn't had yet. And that's asking an awful lot from guys who are injured, guys who have broken stuff, and uh, a bunch of players, a bunch of uh, new players who still, yeah, you can throw out the nobody's a rookie now uh, phrase, but you're, there's a bunch of players out there who haven't seen a player like Denard Robinson yet, and uh, learning on the job is never any fun. Wolverines also appear to have an improving defense, more like a traditional Michigan defense under their D coordinator, Greg Madison. Yeah, uh, but the one thing about the Michigan's defense is that it's very, very young. Two freshman linebackers, uh, some freshmen in the secondary. Uh, but what I think Michigan has is pretty good front four. I really like Mike Mark. I think he's one of my, he's one of my favorite players in the Big Ten just because if you look at him, you see the way he's built. Uh, 
He is your quintessential Big Ten defensive tackle, and I like defense still. I saw a Mac game the other night with 63-60 or some crazy stuff like that. Yeah, Toledo. Uh, I like yeah, Toledo. Yeah, it was, it was it was a pinball machine, and it basically was missing an element of football that you really, really need. And Michigan is getting that back. With Greg Madison, uh, he was the ball. It was the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Brady Hogue lured him over with seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year uh, to get his guy. I think that that sort of changes. You know, I think Iowa's top coordinator right now is getting paid is uh, uh, Ken O'Keefe at about three fifty. Uh, I think this kind of changes things in the Big Ten, uh, especially for Iowa, because if you're going to compete, you got to pay these guys. And Greg Madison's a smart, uh, proven coach who uh, has already made strides, like you said, John, has already made strides in Michigan's defense. Still young, though. I think uh, Iowa can attack them on the perimeter, and I think Iowa can, uh, Mark McNutt can give uh, Michigan secondary, which is on the smallest, smallish side, some problems. Will they? I don't know, but I think they can. Key players in offense and defense? On uh, uh, defense, I'm going to say <laughs> all of them. Uh, can I say that? <laughs> Works for no, me. I'm, I, I think, and I, I, I think. Jordan Bernstein has kind of disappeared a little bit defensively. I mean, he's not flashing as much as he did when he first jumped in the starting lineup. I'd like to see him matter in this game. Come up with a pick, come up with a forced fumble, come up with a fumble, you know, fumble recovery up there against Minnesota. I, uh, I kind of half think that maybe, and this is a reach for me to even say this, but uh, maybe they use him in a spy situation on Bernard uh, uh, Robinson. But I, I, I say that, but I, I still doubt it. I only ever I remember Iowa doing that once, and that was with Bob Sanders against Antoine Randall in 2001. It worked. It worked really well, and Randall still got his yards, but Iowa got the win. It was a big win in the fairness here, if you look at it. I think Bernstein could, but you know, it's putting a lot of pressure on a guy, and Iowa really hasn't channeled his defense that way very often. And uh, uh, Jordan's a good player, but he's no Bob Sanders. I mean, there's, there hasn't been one. On offense, I think Marvin McNutt is a key cog. I think that uh, he, he has a chance to do some things against the secondary because he is six foot three, 215 pounds, and these guys are in the 5'10", 175, 80-pound range. Uh, just sheer size, he might be able to do some stuff. Iowa has some elements on offense this week uh, back. Uh, Keenan Davis, the ankle injury. He's supposed to be back this week. I think that uh, Iowa really missed him last week against Minnesota. Um, if you look at some of the uh, the, the sack fumble that uh, Van James Vanderbilt went through, I think that uh, uh, that that ball might have gone to an open Keenan if he were on the field. And then another sort of key guy I think could be, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a key guy, but more of a curiosity. It sounds like Mickey L. McCall is going to play the running back that we haven't seen since Tennessee Tech. If he can give them something, if I would, the more the more Iowa rushes, the more yards Iowa rushes for, the better in this game. If McCall can give them something, if he can give them 75, 65, maybe even a solid 50 yards, that's all money in the bank for Iowa. So that he could be an element. I wonder if CJ Fedor was going to be healthy. It really felt like last week he was going to take over the tight end position, and then he suffered a leg injury in, like in the second half and wasn't able to answer the bell. So I wonder if he'll be back. And uh, but right, I think Marvin Marvin needs to have a big day out. Any realistic hope for Iowa this weekend? Your prediction? Uh, I think. I, I Right now, I have Michigan 38-31. I'm just not sure Iowa's defense can hold up for as long as it needs to. Um, one thing also, uh, Iowa's turnover margin is still good. It's still plus three. 
But Iowa is not getting very many takeaways, and I have not looked up that number, but I think Iowa's takeaways are low and, and the, not representative of the last few years. And uh, this is a defense that's not creating opportunities for the offense. I mean, if you look at Minnesota in the fourth quarter last week, that kind of showed up any sort of takeaway there wins the game. Uh, I, I just don't – this defense, like I said earlier, is going to have to have a performance it hasn't had yet. And uh, he's – how often do you catch lightning in the bottle this game? Not very often. So I see Michigan 38-31. So it sounds like we're back to if there's any hope at all for the Hawkeyes, it's the offense in a shootout. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you can't you can't trust the defense. You just can't. I mean, great kids. Um, James Morris is a great kid. He's playing Hurts. Tyler Nielsen, excellent leader, solid Hawkeye his whole career, hurt. Uh, the defensive line, it's it's a construction project right now. Uh, Mike Daniels is a good player. Uh, Roderick Vince has moments where he is a good player and disappears other moments, but it's still it's a total construction project that might not be done for a couple of years. little sidebar discussion here. Kind of some interesting rumors about replacing Norm Parker as the defensive coordinator with Mike Stoops. Uh, any sense about that? I know Kirk pretty vehemently denied it. I've not heard anything in any channel that has Mike Stoops attached to Iowa. Nothing would shock me, but uh, I, I think more it's more Phil Parker, uh, his job to probably lose. Uh, he's been around. I mean, just look at the look at the logic on the matter. He's been around for 13 years. He's had good job offers. Uh, I believe one of the job offers he's had has been uh, Wyoming assistant head coach, defensive coordinator, which on its face, Wyoming, sure, whatever, but uh, probably would have been a little bit more money and a little, a lot more responsibility, and I'm sure it would have been more of a resume builder. That didn't happen. He's still here, and he's here for a reason, probably because he's been told he will be the next defensive coordinator, and he moves up, and I think LeVar Woods probably is a member of the staff, and he's probably the defensive backs coach or some way, shape, or form some defensive coach. I think he has to. I think he's a smart young man who uh, has played in Iowa, is from Iowa, and played in the NFL. I think he's a and, and no social media like the back of his hand. He's basically taken the lead of that in the program and led it into the 21st century or whatever the heck century we're in. He, I think, Iowa needs to find a spot for him. I think he's a, he could be a, a valuable staff member. So that's how I see it happening. I think just because you, you people wish that it could be Mike Stoops and they. They wish that Iowa would have a coach who's fire-breathing and jumping up and down the sidelines. You can wish all you want. And I just don't see it happening. So what you got to do, you got to fall back. That's superior firepower and superior intelligence. That'll be the final time the Gophers have to take a snap, and they have won a Big Ten Conference game for the first time in 2011. 12 unanswered points in the last 822 for Jerry Kill's Golden Gophers. The Gophers living high off the hog. Floyd of Rosedale stays in Minneapolis.
Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. Also, check out the game photos and video highlights of Iowa games, other Big Ten action, and teams across the country. Just click on the video tab. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Hawkeye. And listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeyes Mike and on the Balbinot and Brummel Camp Show, weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM AM 1600, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. Okay, I don't know what, whatever it is, it's not right on the teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. Okay. Now, I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. There's yeah. no words there to play us out. I don't know what that means, to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. All right, go, go. That's tomorrow, and that is it. I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. No. We'll do it live. I can, I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Thing sucks. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for the game highlights this week, and thanks to our contributors, Susan Dank and Mark Morehouse. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate. By phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows, call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.